Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Here's our host, Tom Dupree. All right, this is Jelly Roll Morton from his um, last songs. He was born in 1890 in New Orleans as Ferdinand Joseph Lamoth and died in 1941. He was a Creole, which means he was had black and white blood in him. He was the first jazz arranger ever, ever, but I want to turn that up here. Now hear the bass going dump, 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 dump. And he's playing the melody with his right hand, right hand. That's called stride piano. You got the bump, 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 going on the bass side. And then you have the... So you don't have to have a bass player and a drummer because the piano is doing it in the lower octave by doing that back and forth business. That's stride piano. And some call it ragtime, although ragtime is a little different because it's more delicate in terms of the notation. Anyhow, Jelly Roll Morton, um, the father, according to him, of jazz. The book of Ephesians, Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 6, King James Version. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. So it says there, if you will honor your father and mother, doesn't mean you have to agree with them on everything, but you do not dishonor their memory. You don't, if they're dead, or you don't do things uh, to them that are disrespectful. That it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. There's a promise right there. And fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Don't make them mad by being overly oppressive to them. Nurture them. Admonish them when they're wrong, but Try to be constructive. Servants, be obedient to them that are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling as in singleness of your heart as unto Christ. In other words, don't regard yourself as serving a man or a woman, but serving God. Not with eye service as men pleasers, but as the servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart. I can always tell when somebody who's working is just putting in their time, drawing a paycheck, or really putting their heart into their job. That's what the Bible says to do. With goodwill doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatsoever good thing any man doeth, 
the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. Doesn't matter if you're, in this sense, a slave or an owner. If you do it as unto the Lord, you will receive from the Lord. And don't think we don't have modern-day slavery. We do. It just takes another form. And, masters, do the same things unto them, forbearing, threatening. Don't threaten people that are under you, knowing that your master also in heaven, that your ma- and neither is there respect of persons with him. In other words, in God's eyes, one person's not greater than the other. He's looking at the heart and your actions. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Then it gets into a long description of what that is, and that's for another show. But I wanted to talk about that because these are days in which we have to be mindful of how we conduct ourselves, especially in public and in private. You've heard me criticize the Federal Reserve, the way that the country does things. Something came out this week. Uh, Jerome Powell, chairman of the Federal Reserve Bank, rang the alarm on debt saying it shouldn't be dumped on future generations. America is, this is an article in Business Insider. America is racking up dangerous amounts of debt because of its excessive spending. He's talking about the government, the United States federal government. So when he says America there, he's talking about the government. And future generations are likely to suffer the consequences. The U.S. federal government's on an unsustainable fiscal path, the Federal Reserve Chair said in a 60 Minutes interview. The debt is growing faster than the economy. Fiscal deficits over the past four years alone have totaled about $9 trillion, which has helped to more than triple the national debt to a record $34 trillion in the past two decades. Treasury data shows. The pandemic spurred federal authorities to spend heavily to stimulate the economy. But there's now an urgent need for prudent budgeting. I would say it wasn't the pandemic that spurred federal authorities to spend heavily to stimulate the economy. I would say it was the search for votes. If we give free money away to people, how can they not vote for us? He says it's past time to get back to an adult conversation about getting the 
federal government back on a sustainable fiscal path. When when was there ever an adult conversation? What do you mean get back to it? As long as politicians have had the ability to spend your money and mine, they've done it. I don't re- I can tell you this. In about 1979, I read an article in Barron's which talked about how we were wasting money somewhere in Southeast Asia just paying off dictators. And it was $150 million, which back then was a lot of money. I uh, called the congressman's office at that time. Well, I won't mention the name, but 79 figured out six district congressman, not the one there is today. He was a Republican went by to see him. And when I started talking about this stuff, his eyes just glazed over. He had no idea what I was talking about. The federal debt, the, uh, money going out. And then I talked about another program that the federal government engaged in it was the farmer's home administration where they were basically guaranteeing the debt of small cities for five percent when the going rate was a lot higher and did he know how much that program was losing and he was on that committee and he didn't know that either he was just a politician looking for votes the point is there's never been a federal. Uh, uh, there's never been an adult conversation about this stuff because the people who are involved in it don't even really know what's going on with it. Even Mitch McConnell, no idea. The central bank chief expressed deep worry that irresponsible spending today would hurt Americans down the line. How about right now? And yet, what's interesting is when pressed about a year ago, um, Fed Chairman Powell was asked if he thought the spending during the pandemic was affecting inflation now, and he, he never he wouldn't answer the question. Well, we had to do it. That's what he said. So now they got used to spending that kind of money. Federal programs have a way of never going away. And suddenly the Fed chairman has said, oh, we got to talk about this. But he wasn't willing to talk about it much a year ago because he was asked in an interview, what do you think? Do you think uh, that the spending that happened during the pandemic has exacerbated inflation and he wouldn't commit. Although inflation remains well above the Fed's 2% target, Powell and his colleagues have penciled in three rate cuts for this year. It's going to be interesting because now we're hearing people say that because the stock market shot up so much, it's creating inflation because it's the wealth effect. 
People are going to go out and spend money. Well, I'm looking at a chart right now that shows that the uh, since 2019, federal debt has gone from $22 trillion to $34 trillion. We've added $12 trillion in five years to the federal debt to the federal debt. And nobody is looking at this as being on a war footing. And if he thinks that Joe Biden and his people and the Democrat dominated Congress, which knows no bounds on how, what they'll spend is going to pay attention to him. Well, but a big part of what's going on here is that things like Medicare and Social Security are costing more and more, and we're just putting it on the credit card. I'm going to tell you what's got to happen. Social Security has got to get cut. You do it slowly, but you've got to start a downward trajectory on it. It's unsustainable. Medicare, even worse. And I don't know how you do it. If if I were elected, I would be quickly unelected because the things that I would say that need to be done to fix the economy, nobody would want to vote for somebody like me. I would go to Congress purely for the reason of being hated by everybody. Same thing if I were to serve on the city council here in Lexington. It would be harder for me to be elected to that than it would to be elected to the Congress and Senate because this town is so incredibly left-wing when you really get down to it. If you look at the composition of our uh, local government, there is no way they're ever going to elect a loudmouth like me. But that's what has to be done. You've got to look at the problem you're in and get going on it. Um, the other thing that, and this is because we won't say no to ourselves. It's really a spiritual problem. That's what it is. It's simply because we are unwilling to deny ourselves what we think we are owed what we think we deserve. Let's have this. Let's have that. I want free money. I want student loans paid off. I want, I want, I want. I don't want to pay for it. I don't want to get out there and have to hustle. I want it given to me. And if it happens and people do give stuff to you, you start to think it's your, your right. This is by Tyler Durden from, well, it's not by him. It's an article that he published on Zero Hedge uh, from Schiff Gold. That's Peter Schiff. In a recent interview, Peter Schiff was featured on Real America with Dan Ball. In analyzing the current economic landscape, Peter shared a perspective that challenges the optimistic narratives surrounding key indicators. He, his skepticism extends to 
reported job growth, which he attributes to individuals taking multiple jobs amid rising prices and stagnant paychecks. He also critiqued the inflation report, countering the notion of decreasing inflation by asserting that it is bottoming out and poised to intensify. He emphasized the stark contract between official reports and the real experiences of everyday Americans, particularly underscoring the record high levels of household debt and the government's role in exacerbating economic challenges. Furthermore, Peter highlighted the potential repercussions of rising interest rates, predicting that instead of alleviating inflation, they would contribute to it. Now, I've heard that argument more than one place. He also, the interview concluded with a cautionary note on government spending as Peter advised against additional borrowing when the nation is already grappling with substantial debt. Now, I don't need to get into the interview itself. Peter Schiff's a real smart guy. He's kind of a one-trick pony in some senses. He's always talking about gold. I prefer to invest in companies that make things and put people to work. I just, that's my bias. But the point is, when the government is profligate, irresponsible, and governments like states and cities become profligate and irresponsible like Lexington here because they got this COVID money, they thought they were always going to get it, and they're either too stupid or just unwilling to look at where it really comes from and how it costs the average person through inflation, through the devaluation of the dollar. So when you're getting government money, you're they're printing money out of thin air. They're devaluing the money you've already got. You think you're really getting something, but it's inflationary. It's decreasing the value of everything you've got that's denominated in dollars. The point being that it's, it's not helping anything. And the fact that the government becomes profligate makes it easier for individuals to do it because if the government's doing it, why can't I, there are no rules. It reminds me of parts of the Bible, like in Chronicles, second Chronicles, where it said during that time, every man did what was right in his own eyes. People became a law unto themselves. They didn't, um, you know, there were no guidelines. So uh, everybody has to get their own house in order. You can't get anybody else's house in order until you get your own house in order. How do you get your house in order? Well, probably most of the people listening to this program already have their houses in order or close to it. 
you wouldn't listen to a program like this. If, if you don't have your house in order, you're not going to want to listen to Tom Dupree. Because I'm telling you stuff you don't want to hear. <clears throat> if you're on the city council or the mayor of city of Lexington or, or you're part of this problem, you're not going to want to listen to Tom Dupree. You don't want to hear what I've got to say. I'm probably, in most cases, preaching to the choir. Okay? I think one of the biggest challenges we have is not electing politicians to be politicians. We need more business people to talk some sense into some of these people. Isn't that the truth? You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. If you'd like to hear more of the Tom Dupree Show, go to our website, dupreefinancial.com, and click on the radio tab. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. Hi, this is Tom Dupree. A few months ago, we began publicly predicting lower interest rates. At the time, it seemed like a strange thing to predict given that some of the most well-known names on Wall Street were saying the opposite. Events have proved us correct. If you disregarded our call and kept money in cash and short-term obligations like CDs and money funds, you've left quite a bit on the table. We warned against becoming complacent. When the Federal Reserve begins to cut, rates will drop quickly. We were right. To find out what we think the next move is, call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 and make an appointment with us. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on News Radio 630 WLAP and your favorite podcast platform.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Here's our host, Tom Dupree. So, we did Jelly Roll Morton, the first song. This is Oscar Peterson, who sounds like he's from New Orleans, but he was actually from Canada, Montreal, which had a French influence, therefore a jazz influence. Born in 1925, he passed away several years ago. Uh, And Oscar Peterson could emulate many of the uh, other uh, jazz pianists of his time. And there's an interview that Dick Cavett did with him in 1979. You can find it some places, and it's just fascinating. So I want to get back to talking about... Um, what when 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 I talk about uh, the debt of the country and the the Fed chairman talking about leaving our future um, generations with with this debt. It really brings me to this idea. What do you put your trust in? You know, it's 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 a metaphysical question. It is a question of ethics. It's a question of philosophy. It's a question of theology. It's a question of physics. It's a it is a question of what and where is value found? What do you do? to build value for yourself, your family. Well, on an investment side, at Dupree Financial Group, we focus on things that are going to hold their value or even go up in value because the monetary value of something is incidental to its true value. The monetary value is only an indication of the purchasing power of something if it were converted into cash and could be immediately used to buy something. So to say he's worth $30 million or $40 million, it's simply an indicator of if his holdings were converted to cash right now, this would be the value of it. But we tend to use it in dollars as if that person or woman had the ability to turn around and spend it right now. It's a very poor indicator of the true wealth of an individual. Very poor. Because of that $30 million that we say he or she is worth, we don't know how what it earns, what it produces, what it's tied up in, those kinds of things. We have no idea. We can't make a judgment. Therefore, you have to look at something more than money and something that can be measured in ways other than monetary. Now we get into the subjective. And if... I look at the Bible 
as objective truth for somebody else who sees me doing that that doesn't subscribe to my way of looking at it they're saying i'm being subjective i'm being subjective by looking at the bible as objective subjective meaning that's your opinion So by nature, as human beings, we're going to make choices that many will consider to be subjective, even if we regard them to be objective. So we're in that realm. Now, let's look at things of value that are enduring it can't be measured in dollars. One of them, the greatest, is love. What is love? Is what Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey have, is that love? I don't know. Is feeling I have for my wife and my dog. I'm glad you said the wife first. Not not necessarily in that order, you know. I mean, is that love? Does love cost me anything? Is it something that I, having entered into it, can't go back? cannot recover the thing I lost. Some of my greatest losses have been of friends. The fact that it was a painful loss, does that mean that I loved and lost? Because if I hadn't loved them, would it have not been as painful? Is that an indicator that I loved. Does that have a value that exceeds monetary value? Well, it really depends on your point of view. And in that sense, now it's subjective. Um, I can tell you this, that the things that over the years I think about involve relationships. They don't involve where I made X amount of money on a a deal or lost X amount of money on a deal. Those tend to not be the things that I really look back on my life and say, wow, that was quite an accomplishment. Look what I did. I made a lot of money on that deal or I lost money on that deal. Those tend to not be the things I look back on. The things that I look back on happen to be relationships and people I loved or didn't love. I might've been emotionally involved with that person. I might've been, um, involved with a family member that, I couldn't not be involved with, but I didn't feel any 
particular love for them. And, and, and maybe the fact that whether I felt the love or not might not really have to do with whether I truly loved them or not, because sometimes you don't know that you're loving somebody until you're in the middle of it. <laughs> and you didn't set out. See, one of the biggest bastardizations of the meaning of love nowadays is 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 lust it's i want you i want to possess you i want to use you either sexually or to do something for me that i can't do for myself that some say is love sometimes it is sometimes it isn't sometimes it grows into love okay so that's something that we can i think we could reasonably say doesn't necessarily have a monetary value what about memory i was just talking about that what about memories are memories love or are they different from love so Okay, let me ask you this. Can you take money, something you've accumulated, and buy an experience that now becomes a memory? The answer is yes. Can you have some experiences that really don't involve spending a lot of money, but that produce a memory worth having? Yes, also. Is having memories a sign of wealth? It's a question. It's a question. Do you have an answer? Is our memories wealth? Just answer that question. Well, don't, don't when you take trips with family members... A lot of people call those making memories trips, and they're they're uh, for a lot of families they're the cornerstone of that relationship because it's the opportunity to gather to be together. And um, when you, especially when you have teenagers, when you get them away, or young adults, when you get them away from their central location, you have more meaningful conversations with them. So yes, when memories are made. There's a lot more to it than just making. Is memories. it a form of wealth? If well, wealth it depends, is a thing that enhances your life, it depends whether those memories are wealth. Some memories are painful. Some memories are happy. Depends. Can what that kind of still memories. be a form of wealth though, because it's an experience that you had that? Well, you learn from it and you grow from it. Painful or happy? Do you think it's important? at any event to take a lot of pictures? That's a loaded question. I think, I think there's a healthy balance in all things. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> okay. Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on to the next thing. Share with the class. No, I'm not going to get okay. into that. Okay. <laughs> all right what about skills 
our skills wealth. So it sounds like the producer is getting drawn into this Okay, well, let me ask you. What is a skill that you might have that's a form of wealth? What what is it something that you can do? Are you in other words, when you are building a skill in yourself or someone else, are you creating a form of wealth? Well, a skill oftentimes is a way to make money. I'm not talking about it as the terms of money necessarily. You know how literal I am. <laughs> Does it improve your quality of life? I mean, it could be a skill like playing pickleball or golf or understanding art or being able to do art or music is it the case for you or being able I'm, I'm not that good of a player of music but i like to listen to it i don't think what i do is necessarily a skill but some people would say it is well lots of the, things the, the, that the, you do are a skill a lot i mean i think that that um okay but let me just get back to the original question is a skill a form of wealth where how did we get so deep that's what i'm no it's not deep it's just well it's just a question it requires a little bit of thought to just does that hurt you to have to think it kind of does when i'm trying to run this board at the same time and worry about (laughs) outro i mean okay i think the skill equals wealth the producer should be left alone to concentrate on her skill sorry yeah i think it's wealth okay you need to give me like a list of questions you're real literal before we get into this so that i is this uk yeah that's another inside joke is this harlan yeah we have we have a literal child that's that asks very literal 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 questions so one time i said i'm gonna buy a boat which i ended up doing and how was he how old was he like eight probably he, he was probably 14 no i don't think no, he was he that, old. that old he was probably seven and he said, no, you can't buy a boat. I said, why? He said, you just can't. And I said, why can I not buy a boat? He says, because Kentucky will never, ever, ever have an ocean. And then he said something about, and you also will never have the money to do it yeah. either. Yeah, no, the, the other son says, no, you can't, and you never will, because you're never going to have the money. <laughs> Two very different at personalities. That time, at that time in our life, he was absolutely right. Okay. So get back. So to- um, the, the thing I'm talking about is what is what is wealth? What's worth investing in? You know, we talk a lot about money on this show. But all money is is just a you know means to an end. It's a way. It's it's accumulated purchasing power. So you, there's certain things you can purchase, and there's things you can't. And I've talked about sometimes you can purchase an experience, and it helps you have a memory. Sometimes you spend the money on somebody to instruct you to develop a skill. It's very hard though. The first one I mentioned was love. It's very hard to spend money and get love in exchange. That's very tough to do. Sometimes people think they're doing it. Some people try to fill a void by spending money. Of course they well, 
or they don't feel loved and they, they have money and let's buy love. It's not impossible, but it's hard to do. And do you know if when you get it, you are truly getting love? So those are things to consider. Listen, I don't have the answer on all this stuff. I am trying to figure it out just like you are. Nothing I say or do is clad in stone. I'm trying to fumble my way along and do the best I can to convert my life and the part of it that's continuing to be here, however long I live, into something meaningful and lasting. And a lot of the things that we take for granted or did in our world growing up are no longer there. A lot of stuff has changed. It's so interesting. And a lot of times the things that you wish away so you can move to the you next phase of life. Yeah, you look back and say, daggone, that was, that, those were good times. That's right. And, and anyway, so enjoy what you have, the life that you have. That Be you've in the given. moment. Yeah. Find good about every day. Even if it's raining. Fortunately, this winter we haven't had as much cold. But when the sun's out, really appreciate it. And just try to be happy about life. And thank God for every day you have. All right, I'm going to start our piano player again. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. If you'd like to come see us to hear about how we can make your money work for you, give us a call, 859-233-0400. You can also schedule an appointment directly on the homepage of our website at dupreefinancial.com. You also can always find more episodes of the Tom Dupree Show on the website as well, dupreefinancial.com, under the radio tab. We appreciate you listening to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Our financial hour is coming up next, so stay tuned. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show.